somebody give him some praise this morning. He's worthy. Amen. What an awesome God we serve. Hey, before we sing this next song, before we just take a minute and pray, as we sing this next song that talks about the river, you know, it's just a representation of God's Spirit in His presence. Amen? So as we continue to worship and keeping that in mind, let's just slip our hands to heaven and let's invite the presence of the Lord into this place. Lord, we take this moment. God, Lord, we don't take your presence for granted or lightly, God, and we pray that you would come and be in our midst. Lord, as we continue to make a place for you, Lord, with our worship and our praise, and we bless you and we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Put our hands together. We bless you, Lord. There is a river that is closed. There is a fountain that drowns sorrows. There is an ocean deeper than fear. The tide is rising.
Somebody give him some praise. He's worthy. Amen. We bless you, Jesus.
Hello. All right, everybody. Well, this was Kid Zone Elementary, and we've been working on this song for about a month now, and they did awesome, didn't they? Can we give them one more round of applause? Well, hey, I just want to encourage you. If you have a child that maybe isn't involved in a kid's ministry or a neighbor or a niece or nephew or grandchild, get them here because every single time that they're there, they get to be reminded of exactly what that song was saying, that we have serve a God who sent his only son. And not only did he send his son, but that son was more than willing to die for us. And he would have done it if it was only one of us. And so get them here because on Wednesday nights, we're walking through the Bible on weekend services. We're teaching them how to live for God in this world that we live in. So bring them here and um, we'd love to have them. Anyways, I think now we're about to talk with Pastor John. Well, hello, everybody. Can you say Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas. Okay, look at me just a second. I want to ask you a question or two. How many like Christmas? Let me see your hands. Me too. Who can tell me why do you like Christmas? Why, why do you like Christmas? It's Jesus' birthday. It, a very good answer. It's Jesus' birthday. Why do you like Christmas, Carter? Presents. Presents. Right to the point. Anybody else? Why do you like Christmas? Because of the adorable elves. Okay. Why do you like Christmas, honey? Yes, we do. That's the reason we celebrate Christmas. What do you think? Because Jesus is born on Christmas. He sure was, Leon. You're very smart. How about you, sweetie? Because we got to decorate a house. That's fun. I like the feeling of giving. You like the feeling of giving, huh? I like the feeling of receiving. <laughs> well, okay. How many have a Christmas tree in your house? I do, too. I like it. I have one. Okay, let's look at this Christmas tree right over here. And now think about what on that Christmas tree reminds you of God and Christmas. The star. And why does the star remind Because the wise men followed it to see Jesus when they, he was born. They did. How can you follow a star? I have no idea. <laughs> Just checking to see what they taught out in Genoa there. How about you? What, what, what? Followed the star to find the lead where the find Jesus. Yeah, that's how they find. What else on the Christmas tree reminds us of God? Followed the blood for blood that God shed for us. Good. The red. Yeah. Very good. Somebody else. What on the tree reminds us of Jesus? Okay, sweetie, tell me. Good answer. How about that it's green? What does the green remind us of? A green tree. What does it mean? Who created all the trees and all the flowers and everything? Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Jesus created uh, uh, all that we see in creation and the world. What's one more thing under that tree that reminds you uh, 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 of Christmas? Yeah. Um, your lights on it. The what? Your lights. The lights are pretty cool, aren't they? How about the presents? Why do we have presents under a Christmas tree? Jesus, he's a present. He is a present. But did somebody give Jesus a present a little after Christmas? Because God gave us Jesus. Yes, he did give us Jesus. Miss Bethany, you do a great job. Because the wise men gave Jesus gold presents in December. You like those wise men, don't you? And they gave presents to Jesus a little later. Well, listen, I want to read something to you. It's from the book of Micah. Micah was a prophet, 
and a prophet makes a prediction. Does anyone know what a prediction is? What's a prediction? I turned it off, so say it loud. Well, actually, a, a prediction, like the weatherman uh, makes predictions when he says it's supposed to rain today, and they look at the facts and everything, but a lot of times they're wrong. But when God makes a prediction, it's always right. And we can know, one reason we know our Bible is true is because these prophecies happen. And in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it tells us where Jesus was born. It said, For you, Bethlehem, Though you're little among the thousands of Judah, the thousands of tribes and cities, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, even from everlasting. So that Bible tells us that in the town of Bethlehem, the ruler of the world, that's Jesus, the king of kings, but he also is eternal. And how many know that we can trust the Bible? That's why I want to read it and do what it says. Well, you guys get a great job. Give them a big hand today. And we just bless all these kids at Christmas and pray God would smile on us all. God bless you, and you can go back to kids' church. Welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us today. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. And don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. We are so glad you're here, and we hope you know there is always a place for you. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. Women's Conference. It changes everything. It's March 2nd through the 4th. Sign up in the foyer. This holiday season, we encourage you to participate in Christmas outreach. This week, you can be a part of our nursing home Christmas party at the Villa, Monday at 2.30 p.m., our Sidewalk Sunday School Christmas party at Smith Keys Apartments, Tuesday at 4.15, or help with the Project Hope Toy Store Saturday at Powerhouse from 10 to 2, where homeless mothers can pick out gifts for their children. If you have sponsored a child from our Angel Tree, make sure to turn in your gifts to the church as soon as possible. Join us for our annual Christmas Eve candlelight service from 6 to 7 p.m. This is a special time for families to come together and celebrate this holiday season. And join us Christmas Day for our worship service at 11 a.m. as we commemorate the birth of Christ. There's nothing more exciting than seeing a child on Christmas morning. Their excitement is contagious. You can see that spark of Christmas in their eyes. Unfortunately, so many people in our community won't have or get to see that spark. Here at Church on the Rock, we are doing everything we can to spread the joy and true message of Christmas, and you can be a part of it. 
We have seven different ministries you can get involved with to spread the love of Christ this Christmas. Angel Tree, providing Christmas presents for children in our church. Sidewalk Sunday School, bringing Christmas to over 100 children at Sunset and Smithkey Apartments. Coat Drive, providing coats for the homeless. Gifts for missionaries, sending gifts to missionaries in the mission field. Project Hope, providing Christmas for 15 families in need. Nursing Home, bringing Christmas presents to the elderly at Heritage Plaza. Prison Ministry, providing inmates with Bibles. And you can help people get the ultimate Christmas gift by picking up a Church on the Rock Christmas invite and inviting your friends and family to our Christmas services. Let's do everything we can to bring the joy of Christ this Christmas to our Texarkana community. I want to give you an update on our Imagine More building expansion. It's been a comprehensive plan to expand our entire facility to enable us to reach more people for Christ. Uh, the last stage of it, the sanctuary expansion, is the piece that we're working on now so we can present the entire process to the city at one time for approval. And hopefully that'll be completed soon. Again, our goal is to break ground in the spring. We've got almost $800,000. Our goal is to have at least a million before we break ground. Uh, the project will probably be somewhere near three and a half million, so the more we give, the less money we'd have to borrow. So I'm going to give you my commitment that I'm going to do my best as your pastor to manage our money in such a way that we'll be able to save as much as we can from our regular giving, our tithes and offerings, plus designated giving, and hopefully we'll uh, be able to knock this thing out and get going in the early spring. Thanks for what you're doing, and if God's blessed you, it could be so you can be a blessing to imagine more as we reach more people for Christ. Thanks. Good to see everybody here this morning. Now what I want you to do is think of somebody you know that needs to be here this Christmas season. Maybe a family member, friend, co-worker that doesn't go to church at all. Uh, this is a great time to invite him. Grab one of these special invites on the way out. There's some by the door. There's some in the foyer. But invite some people. Strategically, I mean, pray and invite some people because this is the time of year where their heart's just more sensitive to the things of God. They just they hear about Christmas. They hear about Jesus. And I'm telling you, they're right. They're out there. They want to come to know the Lord. Amen? So invite them. Hey, we still have a few outreaches you can get involved in, several ways you can get involved. Be praying for them. You can give by just putting Christmas outreach or being specific on the outreach you want to give to on when you give your offering. But we have Monday, we have a nursing home ministry, so if you want to be a part of that, just look in the bulletin, find out the times in the nursing home, and you can be a part of that. And then Tuesday, we're doing our last Sidewalk Sunday School. We've already done three, probably 150 kids, and we got one big one left. And so that's at Smith Key. So just be here Tuesday at 3.30, and you can follow us out there and just watch the excitement on these kids' faces and just how they're strategically learning about Jesus, the Ten Commandments, all that good stuff. So uh, glad you're uh, uh, here today, but be a part of our Christmas outreach, whether praying or giving or just showing up. God bless you, as you're just uh, enjoying the service today. Thanks, Pastor Mike. You know, you can look in your bulletin, and it is just full of opportunities to add to your Christmas season where you can do something to help other people. And so uh, uh, we hope that you'll be a part of that. We're going to continue our worship this morning with our morning offering. And let me just say, I'm glad you're here. Uh, you're in for a special treat today. We have, for the last almost 25 years, uh, honored a couple that has given their lives to the nation of Mexico, our neighbor to the south, uh, Larry and Mary Lou Myers. 
uh, 38 years ago, they were pastoring in Denison, Texas, and felt God called them to go to Mexico. The only problem is he didn't speak Spanish and didn't have any money. But how many know when God asks us to do something, how many know he's the great provider? And uh, I, I bring him here for several reasons. One is to honor them, just kind of we adopt them at Christmas, that we're kind of their home church. Uh, he's a spiritual father to me and overseeing our church. But also, uh, his life and, and her life inspires me towards significance in my life. And what I mean by that is if you're not careful, you can have lived your whole life and scratched your head and said, what in the world did I do that's going to outlive me? What have I done to influence people for Christ? And he inspires me. He's uh, just about ready to turn 80. And let me know when you're 80, you're supposed to be riding around the motorhome playing golf and going duck hunting a lot. And, and all those are great things. But he continues to give his life to serve the Lord. He said last October, uh, he was in Mexico and led five teams to build five churches in, in, in southern Mexico in October. That's a big thing. And uh, so, so his life is an inspiration to me about someone who wants to finish strong in their life and, uh, and make a difference. And I hope he inspires you as well. Give them a big hand today. Larry and Mary Lou Myers, why don't you stand up and wave to everybody. We're glad you're here today. And we just honor you for the life that you've lived and uh, an inspiration to many. I want to share quick scriptures as we prepare our, our morning offering. It's a very interesting passage in Malachi 3 where the prophet said to bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. My house was God's house. It was the temple. The tithe was literally a tenth of what God had blessed the person with. In their day, in an agrarian society, it could be grain, it could be cattle, it could be whatever the case may be, and they would bring it to the house of the Lord to take care of all that went on there in the temple of the Lord. But also food in his house, in, in a New Testament context, allows us to do what we do outside the walls of our church. Uh, whatever you see, you know, you may smile and think about the kids, but there's ministry to kids and teenagers and all that goes on in the life of our church and our community. But probably what excites me the most is our giving, your giving, we're able to turn it into ministry. And we want to share just a little bit, uh, a couple pictures of some outreaches that we've been doing. Uh, Pastor Mike leads uh, and Bethany lead a uh, sidewalk Sunday schools in four housing complexes, uh, uh, apartment complexes in our inner city. More uh, kids that uh, uh, are, are struggling in many ways in their life, and we just bring church to them. Uh, it happens all in the spring and in the fall, so these kids literally have church on wheels, so to speak. They've got, they have fun, but they're learning about Christ, and many, it's the only place they get some spiritual involvement in their life. And at Christmas time, we have a big party with them. And we want you to celebrate just a little bit in that. Thanks so much for your giving.
Thank you, Pastor. <clears throat> Good morning, everybody. One of the most beautiful parts of this church is what was sitting right here this morning on those steps. You had a whole congregation of nothing but little children, and now there's not very many seats available in the auditorium. <clears throat> You've done well, Pastor. Like Jeremiah Johnson said, you've done well, pilgrim. Good to be here with you. I certainly appreciate this church. You mean a lot to me, a lot to my life, a lot to our ministry. And together, we have done incredible things. And I'm grateful to be a part of COTR in Texarkana. I admonish and I lift up your pastors, your staff, everyone. You've done a great job. It's not an I. It's not a I have done. It's a we have done. Together, you've all done your part. And when you saw all these little children, you should be very proud of what you have done, what part you have played in this. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Thank you for our 25 years of supporting the work in Mexico, our work. It's our work. It's your work. It's my work. <clears throat> when you look at a congregation like this, you might have a tendency to just kind of tuck your thumbs under your lapel and just say, what a great job you've done. You have. You've done a great job. <clears throat> and if you ever have a down Sunday, you might just kind of beat yourself up and, and feel bad about it. <clears throat> but I want you to know, on every given Sunday, it's not thousands that you're involved with. It's tens and tens and tens of thousands of believers you've been a part in, a, in establishing in the kingdom of God in Mexico. That's powerful. So we thank you for the 1,000, 1,500, 1,800 that you have here. But put that with 25, 30, 40,000 more because you're a part of the team. You can stand back and say, devil, how do you like it now? <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> now I'm really masculine. I'm a macho man. I really am. But I suffered so much early on in my ministry because I had no money. I spoke no Spanish. Still don't have much money and don't speak a lot of Spanish. And so I can remember bathing in a water bucket, a little water bucket in a borrowed shed over a dump in Mexico. Big, huge rats coming up and, and just uh, fighting above my head. Didn't like water to drink, thank God, because there wasn't any to drink. But like I said, I'm a macho man. And so now times are a little bit different. I have one of the most comfortable bathtubs you will ever want to see in Chenelope. You can stretch out in it, and it's about that deep. I run it full 
with hot water, warm water. And then I pick up the bubble bath and I pour the bubble bath in it. And then I look up and I say, Satan, how do you like me now? Amen. And that's the gospel truth. I'll let you take up, I'll let you dip your toe in my bathtub, but don't touch my bubble bath. If you'll quickly open your Bibles again, I could never thank you enough. From the northern part of Mexico, you were there. All the way to the Lacandon jungle that leads into Guatemala, you've been there. From the Gulf of Mexico to the Pacific Ocean, you have helped build churches. From one end of Mexico to the other. One of the most rewarding things that I've ever seen, I walked in to the Atoyac area near Acapulco, a gorgeous church. I wish I could show it to you. Three stories high, beautiful palm trees all around it. And when I walked under the, 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 the drive under, uh, there's a word to call it, something, port or something. Portico, okay. I, I walked under it, and there was a big, beautiful plaque. And it said, thank you for bringing us God. Oh, God. God. You want to do something with your life? Pastor, what he said, he wanted something that would be bigger than him, that would outlast him. Walk there with me. Walk under it where there was not one single thing there. When I was bathing in that dumb water bucket, and you walk in and see that beautiful plaque, thank you, founders of the church, the date, thank you for bringing us God. Mm. Wonderful. Turn with me in your Bibles. Second Kings, chapter 2, and verse 13. <clears throat> Maybe everybody is perfectly happy with your life. But there may be some of you feel like you're just wasting your life. You're treading water. You're not really accomplishing anything except for yourself. How sad that is. How sad that is. It's like coming to the end of your life and looking back and realizing you've wasted it all on yourself. There's a lot of things we can do together that can help a lot of hurting people. I tipped a young lady $20 this morning at the restaurant. have no idea if she has a need. But you know why I did it? Because I could. I had it, and I gave it. There are tens of thousands that are hurting. At least they would need you to stop by and say a word of prayer for them. Gently touch them. Tell them God loves them. Let's not be so selfish that it's all got about, has to be about me, mine, no more. Let's read what the Word of, Bible, of the Bible says. I'm going to be preaching on the subject, crossroads in your journey, crossroads in your life, the turning point. There are not very many times in your life that you're going to come to a crossroad that is so important that the decision that you make 
and the direction that you turn to could have a profound effect on your entire life. When I met Mary Lou, and we married, there's a, a beautiful young lady up here singing in a black dress, young lady. Mary Lou looked, said, did you see her? I said, yes. She looked so much like I looked when we married. But that was the best thing that I ever did when I married Mary Lou. The very best thing. That was the decision of all decisions in my life. When Christ stopped all the customers going into the barbershop, left me alone, and I walked on the pacing back and forth and praying, and I saw multitudes, hundreds of thousands of more people than I'm looking at now in this vision that I had, and I was bawling before God, and I said, Lord, if you want me to preach, I yield to you. Great time of decision. Now let's read the word of God. Chapter 2, 2 Kings, chapter 2 and verse 13. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and he returned and he stood by the bank of the Jordan, by the bank of the river. Elisha had followed Elijah all of these years, a faithful helper to everything that Elijah needed. And the time had come, Elijah's ministry was over. I dread to think of that day in my life, but I know it's very near. And so this great man of God had come to the end of his life and he was taken home. And Elisha picked up the mantle that fell from Elijah. His only desire was to, to have a double portion of the spirit that Elijah had. I must mention this today. He knew Elisha knew what he wanted. That's very important. Here as we're ending 2016, getting ready to go into 2017, do you even think about what you want from God in this coming year? I know Travis has a lot of desires. I know that. Praying for you, my brother. Elisha only wanted one thing the double portion of the anointing of Elijah. Do you know what you want for 2017? Have you even thought about 2017? Or are you just going to take whatever comes your way? You think about that. There are consequences in our decisions. You're going to make a decision. You're going to make a decision this morning. If you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to make a decision today. 
because my Lord loves you so much that he's already speaking to your heart. Now it's going to be left up to you whether to say yes or not. Decision time. This may be the biggest decision you will ever make in all of your life that will affect you all of your life. So you might ought to think about it all during the next three hours that I'm preaching. <laughs> Decisions. This man, Elisha, who had absolutely done hardly anything because Elijah did it all, picks up the mantle, standing by the river, walks out, lifts up his hand, and strikes the waters. He does not say, where is Elijah? Because Elijah could not give Elisha anything. But he struck the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? That's who I need. And the waters of the river parted. And Elisha walked over, and the first thing that happened, proof of the power of God, there is a widow, uh, one of the wives of the sons of the prophet, and she has a tremendous need in her life. She lost her husband. He died he had two boys, two children, and the family was in, in a lot of de debt. He had borrowed and borrowed and borrowed, and now the man that loaned the money was demanding pay, and she didn't have it. And she cried out to Elisha about her problem. And he says, what do you have in the house? First, he asked her, what can I do for you? And she explained the, the situation. They're going to they're come take my boys. They're going to take my children, and my children are going to be slaves until the debt's paid off. And Elisha said, what do you have in your house? I don't have anything. I, I, I don't have anything, just a lot of bills. What do you have in your house? Well, I have a, one little jar of oil. Now, remember, Elisha was not accustomed to all these miracles that he saw with Elijah. And he said, I want you to go out and borrow vases from all of your neighbors. And, and don't borrow a few of them. Borrow a bunch of them. She came back. He said, borrow some more came back, and she, he said, now, take your two boys, go into the room, shut the door, and take that little bit of oil that you have and begin to fill all of those vases that you just borrowed. Here's a little message, Travis, you can preach. Do all that you can do. And what you cannot do, God can do it. 
I hear people say, Brother Larry, God has been so good to you. Yes, he has. But I've never seen Jesus with a shovel and a pick in his hand. But he gave me the ability to bend my back and pick and shovel. Do all that you can do. What you cannot do, God can do it. And so she goes in and she begins to pour and pour and pour and pour and pour until finally she comes back out since there's not, another, there's not another vessel. They're all full. Well, God had just done a wonderful miracle, but he wasn't over. He could have canceled the debt. He could have canceled the debt. God could have spoke to the owner of that debt and said, forgive her. But now, he, Elisha said to her, now you go out in the streets, you and your boys, and you sell that oil. Sell that oil. You do what you can do. What you can't do, God will do it. And so they go out and they sell it and come back, and everything was taken care of, debt and all. And they had enough left over to live the rest of their life. Pretty powerful, isn't it? Decision. Elisha could have remained on the opposite side, or he could have crossed the river. It was all in his hands. He could have remained and built a memorial for Elijah, and it would have been a good thing. But it was a better thing when he crossed over and let the power of God flow through him, miracle after miracle after miracle. Do you understand me? Decisions that you make, who you marry, where you work, where you go to church, all of that is important in your life. I can promise you that. Decisions. Moses sent 12 men into, into, into Canaan. Said, go out and, and, and just spy it out. Bring me back a report of what it's like. We are about to cross over, and we, know, we need to know the strength of our enemies. And so 12, I think it was 40 days, they were out there spying out the land. And when it came back, 12 men came back. One by one, 10 of them says, we can't do it. You don't know my God. You don't know my God. May I never hear you say those words in my presence. You can't do it. I have T-shirts at my house says, why do it on the front? On the back it says, because I can. Amen. I put my flat-bottom boat in the Missouri River in Montana. I call the rangers. And I said, I need to know about your river. What kind of boat do you have? Flat bottom boat. It's virtually impossible for you to do the Missouri River in that boat. But I virtually did <laughs> because I virtually could. So I don't want to hear you backing up and whining and said, I can't do it. Do all that you can do and let God do what you cannot do. And together, together, we will see the victory. Two men came back and said, we're more than able, Joshua and Caleb. They're the only two out of 12 
that was permitted to live and cross back over and see the victory 40 years later. Decisions. Your decision that you make is of utmost importance. If you can't feel the presence of God here this morning, you might all just slip out and go to Burger King. Get you a good hamburger. A lot of those purple onions. But if you feel the presence of God, say to him, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, in my decision. Amen? God called Moses. But let me back up first. Let me tell you about another decision. Mark the 10th chapter. Young men came to Jesus. Now, just having the, the opportunity to speak to Jesus in the flesh, wow, powerful. The young man bowed before Jesus, looked up and said, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a serious question. He's at a crossroad in his life. He's coming from whatever he was, and he's standing there before Jesus. A turning point in that young man's life. And Jesus said to him, Thou shalt not, speaking of various commandments, thou shalt, speaking of other various ten commandments. And the young man looked up in Jesus and said, But I've kept those all of my life. Yeah, well, that's good. Tell you what, young man, why don't you just take what you have and sell it and give it to all the poor of Texacana? Just give it to the poor, but then follow me. Follow me. That young man had the same opportunity that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had. The same opportunity that Paul had when, when, when he was standing on the road to Emmaus and the light shone around him. The same opportunity that John Miller had when God said, follow me. The same opportunity that Travis had when, he said, when God said, follow me. The same opportunity that I had when God said, follow me. But he made the wrong decision. He stood up. And walked away from a wonderful, wonderful life with Christ. Decisions that you make are very important. Two young ladies, Moabite young ladies, married the sons of Naomi, who had left Jerusalem and gone into Moab because there was a famine in the land of Israel, and there was food in Moab. So they go over there. Moab and uh, Naomi's husband dies. Both of her boys die. And the two women that they had married, one was Oprah, Oprah and the other was uh, Ruth. And so Naomi says to her daughters-in-laws, why don't you just go back to where you came from, to the home, to your people, to your families, 
and start your life all over again. They were all crying, standing on the border between those two countries, hugging each other, weeping, deeply, deeply touched. Oprah turned and went back, kissed Naomi, went back to her people, and I have no idea what happened to her. I don't know if she lived to be an older lady. I don't know if she remarried. I do not know if she had children. I do not know if there was anybody there to help her in her, in her older years of life. I don't know. It's not recorded. That was her decision. Ruth made a different decision. Ruth said, I'm not going to leave you. Mother-in-law, I'm not going to leave you. Whithersoever thou goest, cuenta conmigo, count on me, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Whithersoever thou goest, I will go. And whithersoever thou lodgest, I'm going to be laying down right by the side of you. I'm not going to leave you. I am not going to leave you. I know what happened to Ruth. I do not know what happened to the other one. Ruth happened to be a lucky one. Had nothing to do with luck. The right decision is guided by God, by the Holy Spirit, by the divine Lord that we served. Amen. Call it luck. I call it grace. Grace. And so Ruth goes and she marries Boaz. Happened to be a pretty wealthy landowner. And they had a little boy, and they named that little boy Obed. And Obed had a little boy, and he named him Jesse. And Jesse had a little boy, and he named him David. Now, somebody help me. It went on down to the next generation, to the next generation, and on down to the last generation and another little boy was born in the, in the direct bloodline. You have any idea who he was? He's speaking to you right now. He's your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ. Your Savior, your wonderful, wonderful Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Decisions are very important. The decision that you make is so important. Let me tell you about a man that I know quite well. He was in Acapulco, and his wife, they, they had just arrived to Acapulco. They had actually crossed. They were driving from Zihuatanejo to Acapulco, uh, about four or five hours drive, and they passed within three miles of where I was in Atoyac, that beautiful church, building it. I did not know them. They did not know me. On their way to Acapulco, they crossed over a little bridge. And under that bridge was a small river, Mexican river. They stopped, they walked out, they looked down at that river, and they saw wonderful, precious Mexican ladies washing their clothes, washing their little babies, washing their dishes, hanging their clothes up, on little thorn bushes and different bushes to dry. And at that moment, God put his hand upon Paul and Judy Pogue. 
They were at a crossroad in their life. It was a turning point in their life. They were a struggling young couple trying to get started in life. And they looked out over that bridge, and when God touched them, they said to one another, what can we do to help? How many people cross that bridge every day? How many stop and said, what can I do to help? That was the divine call of God in their life. And it made a divine difference in their life. They went on to Acapulco and they took a yellow tablet about like my brother has here, legal tap pad. And they wrote down what they, what they wanted from God. Much like Elisha, I, want, I know what I want. I want the power of God, the spirit of God. Well, they wrote down in their journal what they wanted. They wanted a nice family. God gave it to them. Wanted some nice boys that would love God. God gave it to them. Wanted to have a good, successful business. God gave it to them. I remember praying on my knees in the beginning with Paul Pogue. His, his desire was to make a million dollars a year. That's a pretty good job. My desire was to build a church a year. That was it. Well, let me tell you about making the right decision. October, I built five new churches, brand new churches. And every year, Paul's budget is three to four million dollars a year. Now, how do you like those apples? I'm talking about your decision. If you want to go on and make it on your own, do it. Do it. If you want to get out from under the shade tree and sit in the sun, do it. That's your business. But I want to make sure that my decision is to follow my Lord. Moses saw a bush burning. And he heard the voice of God. And God said to him, I'm going to send you to Egypt. Lead my people out of bondage. Decision time. He did his best to talk God out of sending him. I'm not able. I don't speak well. I'm slow of speech. And on and on and on, God was getting a little irritated. And sometimes it's good for God to get irritated at us when we keep postponing and postponing that decision. And finally, Moses said, yes. If God sends you or calls you, God will always be with you. He's never going to send you anywhere to have you defeated. Never. And so he went with Moses. Not only did he send Moses, but he went with Moses. Not only will God go with you, but he will also 
send a team that will be your everything that you need in life. You can't talk good, Moses. Your brother Aaron, he's a scholar, speaks good. You're not good at singing, but your sister Miriam is a choir leader beyond touch. You're not too good at directing an army, but I'm going to send Joshua with you. And, you know, if you get discouraged from time to time, I'm going to send Caleb with you. And then I'm going to send her there to hold your hand up when you, need, when you really need a help. And if I give you a multitude of elders, you're not alone, Moses. You're not alone this morning, friend. You are not alone. Do not be afraid to make the right decision. You are not alone. God will be with you, and he'll form a team around you to complete his purpose. 1978, and I promise you give me seven minutes, and it's yours. 1978, I'm at the crossroads. I've been a successful pastor, been in ministry 20 years, been at this church, a gorgeous church that I've built for almost 10 years, nine years plus months. And God spoke to me, and he says very clearly, Denison or Mexico? Take your choice. Denison or Mexico? Denison doesn't need you. There are churches on every corner. Mexico needs you. There are villages after villages with no church. I made the right decision. I was poor. I could not speak the language. I had nothing to offer except the God that was going to be with me. I could offer him. So I went to Mexico. I suffered. I'm not telling you to make your decision. It's going to be a bed of roses. I'm not going to tell you to make your decision and you're never going to have a problem. My friend Paul Pogue lost $800,000 on one job, but he rebounded many, many, many jobs with many jobs. In Acapulco, they wrote down the desires of their heart. I told you that a little bit ago. But then Paul selfishly said, I want an airplane. He had a 441 Cessna cleared for 35,000 feet. He can fly with the big boys. Make your right decision, and God will give you the desires of your heart. And so I go into Mexico, and the rest is history. From one end of Mexico to the other, I have traveled, and I've left like Johnny Appleseed, I've left some seeds all alone that are now trees. I have built churches from one end to the other, from the Gulf of Mexico to the Pacific Ocean. We have built churches after churches after churches, multitudes of churches, not because I am some great person, but when I went, God put together a team that had to do with Church on the Rock here in Texarkana. 
God called this man right up by the side of me and this lady right here to be a part of that team. This church of the church body had backed this ministry for 25 years. Together, the team has been sufficient. God gave us the best doctors imaginable from Lafayette, Louisiana. Gave us surgeons, general doctors, registered nurses, plastic surgeons, everything you could, you could imagine when we built the hospital there in Atoyak, near Acapulco. Everything that I needed, God already had it in store. Now, don't be afraid to make the right decision, friend. Stand with me. It all boils down to this. What kind of a decision are you willing to make? Now, if you want to rough it through the rest of your life, go ahead and do it. Send me a note every once in a while. I'll send you 40 cents to buy your pop or something. <laughs> or if you want to lift your head up high, strike the waters, cross on over to a gorgeous ministry like Elisha did, that's still in your decision right there. Please make the right decision. Christmas time, Pastor, come. It's Christmas time. Could be the greatest decision you make in your entire life could rest upon the Holy Spirit touching you right now at this time. These are your people. You know them, my brother. We're going we're gonna to have I'm going to ask you to pray for us just a second. You know, when all the kids were up here, I, I was pretty excited. I love kids. And everybody's looking forward to Christmas. But you know what you spent weeks or months preparing for in just a few minutes after Christmas morning, it's over. And then you just go and look at your pictures and you start cooking breakfast or lunch or whatever. But what he's talking about today is, is the rest of our lives. Amen. And the wonderful thing is, you know, there, there's a sense of change in America. And I don't think it's just because there's a new president coming on board. I think it's because God wants to visit the nation again. And when God visits a nation, he doesn't just send angels, though angels serve him. How many know God chooses people? He taps somebody on the shoulder and say, I, I, I want you to, to raise up a ball team, and I want you to teach those young men about Christ. I, I, I want you to do the Girl Scout troop this year, but, but do it for Jesus. I, I want you to try to influence everybody on your street for Christ. I, I want you to make a difference in some fashion. I want you to go on a mission trip, whatever it may be. But like he's saying, there's a spiritual crossroads. There's a decision to say yes or no. I remember... Over the years in our friendship, first mission trip, I used to go on a lot of mission trips and build churches, and we'd go to northern uh, Mexico, and, and uh, we'd build churches there in the desert across the Rio, Bran Rio Grande, take a, take a bath in the Rio Grande at night and cook yeah. over a campfire and hunt yeah. arrowheads. But then we, I heard him start talking about southern Mexico, and he said he went to a missions conference, and there was a man that he met there. His name was Ayala, and he said they were talking about southern Mexico. At that time, the Mexican government didn't even recognize these Mayan Indian descendants. Christianity Today called them, and when I say didn't recognize them, there was no taxation, no electricity, no formal roads, no medical care for, for these, these uh, Indians that lived in the mountains. Um, but yet God began to speak to him. Christianity Today magazine, about 35 years ago, called these groups of tribal, uh, tribal folks, Sotzil Indians, Chamuli Indians there in Chiapas, 
the most violent people group in the Western Hemisphere. But they were a totally unreached people group. No churches anywhere, nothing. Perhaps a Catholic church in, a, in, an, old, in an older village somewhere. But God felt that he should, told him he should go down there. And if you fast forward, I can remember he took me to the place where he first, they built a little church, and then it became a little bit of a headquarters. And before you know it, they built a hospital giving free medical care to the people. And then they built this stadium. And I said, what are you going to do with this big thing? And he said, we bring all the natives. And before you know it, they just start coming across the mountains, thousands of people coming across the mountains, barefoot walking across the mountains to worship Jesus, who in their history had never worshipped the Lord before. And I can remember him saying, he said, get in the truck, we're going to take a ride. And, and, and we rode out to this village, and, and, and he was talking to the, the pastor that was there, and the pastor wanted a church. Well, lo and behold, we come back in maybe six months or so, and we put the roof on that church. And the pastor sat there, and he talked to me about his plan, and he pointed across the mountains, and he said, there's little villages in all these across here. He said, my plan in the next couple of years is to start a church in every community. And then when they start the church, literally the whole village comes to Christ because that's all they have. And now, all the glory to God, but tens of thousands of these people are coming into the kingdom of God for all eternity, Mayan descendants. But God, and, and if he'd have said no, God would have found somebody else. Are you with me? But we get an opportunity to say yes. And could you just pray for us, all of us, that we would say yes to God, that we would recognize the voice of the Lord and the opportunity and the gravity of it and say yes to Him, be willing to turn our back on whatever the case may be. Why don't you pray for us? In April, we had 5,600 in that stadium. To God be the honor, to be the glory, and to be praised. My Father, I love you. Yeah. My Father, I love as Elisha, the Spirit of God. Father, I'm grateful that I've felt your Holy Spirit as you walked through the congregation today. Now, Lord, I pray, I pray that whoever you're speaking to will be bold enough to say, I need help. I need help. You're more than willing, Father, to reach out to that person. I pray for the pastoral staff of this church that they will never lose their vision, Lord, where we've been in this thing together. Father, I pray for every individual here. I ask you, God, that they will rededicate their lives to you between now and the first of this year and say that they're going to be better men and women for the kingdom of God. I pray for every one of the little children that sat here today, Lord, on these steps, how precious they are. They need a mom. They need a dad. They need a pastor. They need a church, Father. Bless them as they grow up in life. Now, Lord, all of this is yours, Father. It's not mine, not Pastor uh, Miller's. It's all yours. They're your people. Hug them. Love them. Give them a great Christmas. I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Give me a big hand. God bless you, my friend. We love you. Honored to have you as always.